with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper around the unknown, unexplained, unbelievable, the mystical, the magical, the macabre, New England's own Van Helsing. And with me is not that gold standard parapsychologist. Hell no. Seems like the haunted doll has zinked its vengeance on him and zapped his uh, electronics. And so he is incognito. But joining me now is the next best thing, the silver standard in parapsychology, <laughs> Mr. Dylan Jones. Good evening, or say good evening, uh, Ron. I was wondering what you were going to say. I, w- I was thinking I'd probably be at the bronze, but I'll take silver. <laughs> well, I, I couldn't, I don't know, yeah, gold, I couldn't give you a platinum, or I, I'd never hear the end of it, you know, so. Oh, no, uh, no, that would, be, that would be so wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, this is this has always been a contention. Well, uh, on the show is the term parapsychologist and in how you become a parapsychologist. You know, um, Cal Cooper, up in Cal Cooper, is very uh, protective of that term. Uh, well, Steve is a little bit more open, and uh, I, I'm kind of like uh, towards the Cal side. I think you really need to study the field, but it's. Because you you are, I guess, a parapsychologist, right? I mean, yeah, I, I can actually see both sides of the argument from Cal and Steve, and we've had you know long chats about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cal's argument is that you should be sort of, I think, in an academic setting, um, mm-hmm. and you should be a member of the Parapsychological Association to be legitimately calling yourself a parapsychologist. Well, that makes sense. But the, yeah. But the trouble is, it's parapsychology. It, it's a it's a, it's a poor term, really, because para people think means paranormal psychologist, and it's a mistake a lot of people make. Para means outside of psychology, and the thing is, right, there like, are so like many a, different like a disciplines. Paramedic, the, uh, Dylan, paramedic. That's yeah. what that means. Outside medic, outside yeah. medic. He's not in the hospital. He's out doing his thing. Yeah, because, I mean, the amount of times people say that they introduce me as a a paranormal psychologist and I have to sort of politely sort of steer them back around and say, well, it doesn't really mean that. And the thing is, there are so many different disciplines. I mean, you've got Steve, who is a first class physicist. You've got Dr. Anne Winsper, a psychologist. I'm on the sort of sociological, anthropological side. Um, and there are so many elements that, that fit in within, you know, that Cal's a, a psychologist as well. So it, it's a poor term. And I think um, a few people like uh, Anne Winsper have tried coming up with some other terms. And it's finding one that fits and nobody can seem to agree, unfortunately. Well, I, I always like, I, you know, if I'm going to use a term, if someone's going to call me, I, I never call myself parapsychologist. I always call it, if I'm going to call anything, I would call myself a paranormal scientist because mm-hmm. I do have. I have my degree in in, in uh, environmental science, and, and that's my forte. And uh, and I study the paranormal, or I study 
science outside the into well and, and actually science is all around us anyway so it doesn't really fit your para definition but i always take it from the paranormal that was i study the paranormal uh so it would be paranormal parasite paranormal scientists so yeah whatever yeah so right that's right, right. yeah yeah, I mean, the environmental scientists are integral to what we're actually looking at, isn't it? Because we're looking at the effects of the environment on a haunted location. So it's it's another crucial area. So, yeah, I suppose definitely an element within parapsychology. But, uh, well, you know, Cal, I guess, would argue against that, saying that you're really not looking at the environment. You're more looking inside the person's heads. I can see where he's coming from, but it, there are so many different elements you, that, that comprise a, a ghost sighting or a haunting or a poltergeist case that mm-hmm. it's a multidisciplinary field. So um, that's where I'm leaning more towards in agreement with Steve on that one. Um, but also people shouldn't be calling themselves parapsychologists because there are those out there that do and they're claiming to have degrees in parapsychology. Right. Um, and putting PhD after their name when they've got it from a, um, let's should we say, an online university somewhere in Florida. Mm. Yeah, you know the, I guess uh, you can look at it different ways. I mean, you, when you when I first learned that you were going to become a parapsychologist because you were getting a PhD in a particular field, which was. Uh, and I don't want to screw it up. So please, something to do with the the media. Can you, can you give it to me? So I don't want to screw it up. Just give it to you. What yeah, you so I'm looking at the media representation of the paranormal and the people who research it and whether or not it affects the behavior of people who go ghost hunting. So it's looking at the cultural group of ghost hunters. So you could say that fits in with anthropology and sociology. Um, yes. But then there's also looking at, at media effects as well. You know, does the media affect what people do? Right. And and that's the interesting thing. You brought that word up uh, earlier in the show, which just escaped my mind. But, uh, oh, my God, what did you just say, Dylan? Uh, explain that to me again. Not not what the, the title is, but why is it? Anthropology, it's that's it. Anthropology. Anthropology, yeah, yeah. Yes. So it's a study of the cultural group. Yes, exactly. So when you brought that up, I realized that then that, that there's the connection. Uh, yes, I could see that. Uh, uh, it's, I believe, uh, is it with Jack Hunter as an anthropologist as well as studying? Yeah, that. I think yeah. his PhD, he was looking at spiritualists. Mm-hmm. And um, he did some fascinating work and continues to do so. Um, yeah. If you pick up any of his books, well worth a read. I've had him on the show before. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, you know, I, I remember one little tip where he got shunned by the community because of what he was doing, and which was, I was shocked, really, in this day of age, uh, about something being excluded from a book because of what he was doing. And, uh, and I was, like, shocked. I said, you know, that's that's... Book burning to me, it's basically, you know, they have someone who's doing legitimate research and, and yet people don't like uh, that particular thing. So they, they kind of shut it. So that's, are you, do you know what I'm talking about or, or am I just uh, know myself and that's it? No, no, I, I know what you're talking about. And unfortunately, there are still an unfortunate number of people out there, scientists or in academia, who look at what we do and they sneer 
um, or they, they laugh at what we're doing. But what we're trying to do is study a very human experience. People have been reporting ghosts and hauntings since time began. Right. So it deserves exploring. So let's do it. And, and that's the interesting thing is I think, you know, uh, Steve and I have talked about this so many times on the show about the ghost hunting shows and how they, uh, you know, they were good for the field in the way that they opened people's minds to, to what, you know, the, these experiences they're having, other people are having as well. But then again, uh, if you, you, you go out there and you see some of these shows and uh, people in the academic world see what's going on, then, you know, they laugh at them and, and, and rightfully so in some cases. <laughs> but, so uh, the ghost shows, I think, have, have hurt the field as much as they helped. They probably hurt it more than they helped it because of it is entertainment. And, and now with the, you know, ghosts aren't bad enough. we got to go to demons now. And, and who the hell goes after that? Uh, you know, they've got to up it, keep up in it to keep the interest. And, and uh, so that's the sad part about it. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I've spent the last two weeks watching um, YouTube, looking at all the different kinds of YouTube shows that are now devoted to paranormal research. Um, and I use that term loosely. I was um, going to ask you that. I'd like to see what research they're doing, quite frankly. <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, I, I've just been sat there watching shows from both the US and the UK. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the, the, the shows are fascinating. Um, and I, I, I don't want to say too much because I'm in the middle of gathering all the data. And right. if anybody listens, I don't want to give away what I'm finding at the moment until it's published. See, I, I have a, I take a, a bridge to the, the word research on these shows because it's really not research. It's more of investigation if, as far as, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not taking anything against the legitimacy that they're not investigating because that's exactly what they're doing in some cases. Uh, but to say they're researching, that's, I think, is uh, mis misleading uh, in the use of the term. I agree. Yeah, they're not they're not doing research. What, what what is interesting is they're doing a certain amount of research to be able to get themselves to make an episode. So, for example, I was watching one particular show where they've clearly gone out and done a lot of work on the historical side. So they've got the background to be able to do something to camera. But once they've done that, anything goes in terms of the investigation. If you can even call it an investigation, because basically they're just turning up asking questions into thin air and waiting for bits of equipment to, to interact with. Mm -hmm. um, that's not really investigating. Uh, it's okay. Uh, I'm going to say this kind of, and I think it is loosely investigating. Uh, I, I know when I taught peer, uh, paranormal CSI, we looked at all uh, methods of investigating with all these, the equipments, all modalities from spiritualism stuff to from Ouija boards to, you know, K2 meters thing. And uh, if they believe that these particular pieces of equipment are valid for what they do, then they are investigating to the best of their knowledge with the type of equipment that uh, 
they feel will give them specific results. And so in reality, if, if, they're, if they believe that a K2 is communicating with, with the dead, then that's their beliefs. Uh, you know, and if they best their investor, if they base their investigation on their beliefs, then that's what is based on their beliefs. Now, is it based on, uh, you know, the laws of physics or is it based on, uh, you know, true science, then that's another story. But, you know, it's just like when you have a, a medium and when a medium talks to, believes he's talking to a spirit, that medium believes he's talking to a spirit. But we have no proof that he isn't or he is. That, you know, that's that's his belief and that's what it is. So you you have to take that in consideration uh when you when you do your, your analysis of the particular event. Uh do you agree, disagree, or all right? I definitely take your point that you know for their belief, but the way I always look at it is that belief doesn't prove anything, facts do. Mm. And belief, you know. Facts don't worry about what people believe. We're just trying to get what we're trying to get to the truth of something. And the one example that stood out for me from a video I watched today was when they were using the K2 meter. Mm -hmm. They did not think of anything else that could be influencing the K2 meter. It was automatically that was a spirit interacting with it. Now, that could be the case. But they made no attempt to think, well, what else could be making that meter flash? Okay. Um, because uh, basically they laid, they laid the EMF meter on the floor. They were in a hotel. And it, my first reaction, well, there's bound to be electrical wiring running beneath the floor. Mm -hmm. So, because it was an upstairs. So the lighting <laughs> in the, on the floor beneath or the, the ceiling beneath would need electric cables running to it. There was no consideration of the environment where they were in. There was no critical thinking or analysis going on. So they may think they're investigating, um, and we want people to investigate. That's the thing. But they just need to remember that there's other things to think about as well. I, I agree. And and back in the day when, you know, when I first started doing out in, in the groups that uh, at that point were doing that type of stuff, they were doing, uh, you know, measurements, they were doing uh base readings and different things now now we know i know that you know there's certain inaccuracies and in, in that but uh at least they were attempting to do uh base readings and and uh you know measurements whereas nowadays we don't have that it, like you said if if the beat is going off it must be a ghost it's and more than likely they never did any base reading in india to find out where the wiring was or, or any of that or or does, you know, is does the, when the furnace goes on, does a particular, uh, you know, does it go through that particular area where, where, where the wiring is uh, or it isn't? So, you know, it's 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 kind of we've gotten away from doing the work, basically, the homework. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and I think it's, it's, it's a real shame. One of the things I'm finding is that uh, a lot of the ghost hunters don't read. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, they, they don't pick up a book. Mm -hmm. um, so many they, of them. They write not... them, though, Dylan. They all write them. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's one or two that actually copy other people's work. But yeah, there <laughs> we is. go into that. <laughs> I think we know who we're talking about. Yes, we um, 
But yeah, I mean, they're not reading. Um, I mean, when we grew up, you know, if we wanted to find out something, it would be off to the library. We'd go and get a book out or we'd save up and we'd buy the book. Nowadays, it's it's not something they do. Uh, and that, that's, that's a cause for concern. You know, it, 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 it's interesting, too, because the last time we had you on the show, we had an absolutely fascinating conversation. Uh, conversation with you and and I really enjoyed it because it talked about you being a child and what you were doing mm. then and and what you were doing then actually was more work than what some of these ghost groups do nowadays uh you know even though you were uh inexperienced and uh perhaps uh a little naive in certain conditions but your 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 uh, logic was good uh and and I, I found that really intriguing. I, I really enjoyed that show, by the way. Uh, oh, wait, oh. Was that on the show? Or was that up at the beach house? I'm trying to think now. That was at the beach house. Yeah. Oh, my God. That that... That... Yeah. Yeah, because Steve did the hour first, and then I come in for the second hour. Yeah, that was. Okay, yeah, that was. Oh, so it was on a show, though, but it was done at the beach yes. house. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good. Yeah, that was fascinating. I, I found that absolutely fascinating as a. A young child to you know at least do some work on on the an investigation and, and and to have certain uh curiosity which is important uh, i think it's the thing is it points i think we're, we're products of our generation because i was brought up with, with the enjoyment of reading instilled in me from, uh, from when i could p- pick up a book and mm-hmm. I, I was fascinated by ghost hunting and obviously Ghostbusters was a big part of that. Um, but I, I picked up the books by Peter Underwood and Lloyd Auerbach and um, Andrew Green, and I wanted to emulate them. They were my heroes. Um, I wanted to do what they were doing. Nowadays, perhaps young people are growing heroes. up. Yeah, and their heroes are Zach Bagans, um, you know, uh, Jason Hawes, these kinds of people, um, you know, that's who they perhaps want to emulate. And when I'm watching the videos on YouTube, they think they're making something new and unique, but you see the influence of most haunted ghost adventures coming right through. Mm-hmm. And and the, the other thing I find fascinating, too, is that... Um, they always seem like they have to up their game. In other words, they don't they don't start out using certain methods, and th- that way you have a a, a, uh, a the more you do, you have a case study to do that. You know, you have a, a certain number of these, and you in certain circumstances you realize this and this. You know, they get seemed almost like bored, and they they want to say, okay, let's uh, let's bury somebody in a coffin, and we'll see if that works better. Uh, you know, so it, it, instead of repeating the same experiments or our investigational tools uh, over and over again, they, they just up the ga- game. Or, or Yeah, they do. They've got to seem to be going that one stage further, that little bit more extreme, um, you know, and that, that's very much, I think, a Zach Bagans thing. Um, you know, I think, I think when we were in, um, when Steve and I were over with you, uh, in September, they were premiering the new season of Ghost Adventures, and Zach was screaming, "We've got to take it to the next level." 
And that's that's something you hear in almost every show. We've got to take it to the next level. I mean, how many levels are there? Right. And, and what are what are you really researching? You're not researching anything. You're not. You know, all science, as Steve has said over and over again, is something that you you do over and over again. You repeat to get the same results. And if you don't, yeah. then you know the thing. But if you just change the rules all the way you know, every week, every investigation, then you're not really researching anything. You're not really doing anything rather than entertaining people. Exactly. We, we call it something called legend tripping, where they're going out, following up on some sort of story that's out there, and they're creating themselves and putting themselves and making themselves part of this continued story. Uh-huh. Um, they're not actually contributing anything to the body of science they think they are um and it's a shame because we want people to look into these things but yeah when you think about the massive force we have to investigate this properly hmm. and it's going to waste it's just a shame that people don't write things down either Hmm. yeah they're so concerned about making a youtube video yeah I, I do want to mention one thing. You used the term uh, legend tripping. And, and here in the United States, it's a little different. Uh, I have good friends, uh, Jeff Belanger, of course, and um, Chris Balzano, who both do legend tripping. And to them, it's uh, investigating the legends. Uh, and yeah. uh, it's a little bit different than it's not more self uh, orientated. It's more about uh, the legends themselves. So it's, it has a little different meaning here in the States. Yeah. Hasn't um, hasn't Chris just brought out a new book? I believe he does. Chris has a couple. Well, he's been writing for as long as I've known him. And yeah, uh, I've read I've read one or two and they're really good. Yeah. He used to be up here in Massachusetts and had Paranormal Crossroads, uh, Mass Paranormal Crossroads, which was a great site. And uh, you could get a lot of good information. I remember when I first started getting involved in ghost hunting and and, and paranormal investigating. uh, you know, he was one of the, the sites that I always looked at because it was, was well-written, well-documented uh, and everything. That, Jeff Belanger's Ghost Village, and, of course, uh, Hollow Hill uh, from Fiona Broom were one. And there, I, you know what? There was another one back then. I don't even know if they are. The International Ghost Hunters. Do, do you remember that? Uh, International Ghost Hunters Society. Yeah, IGHS. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was the one. Yeah, they were they were big at that time too. Um, it was a couple, a man and a woman. Yeah, yeah, they get a, they got in a big tip with with taps one time. Right. Yeah, I remember that. But you know, that's that's the thing. You know, they every every group gets in tips with somebody or other. Uh, yes. You know, yeah. You know, at one time the warrants were uh, in a tip with. Um, John Zappas, so and that's a nephew. So I mean, it, it happens uh, like everything else in life. But uh, hey, you, know, you always need a bit of drama in the paranormal field. You live and you learn and you grow. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we are coming towards the break. So uh, when when I do come back from the break, I want to talk to you about your uh, trip over here to uh, the south and the yep. the relationship. Uh, uh, between uh, uh, what the difference was between uh, American 
ghost tours and, and investigate in, in, in the UK. I assume you're going on ghost tours in, in the UK as well. Cause, oh, right. yes, we did. Did you ever go on Richard do. Felix? Yes. How was that? Yeah. I've always wondered. He's, I, love, I love Richard. Absolutely love Richard. He's a great storyteller. Oh yeah, I mean he's that. I mean he's phenomenal. He's one of these, you know, naturally gifted storytellers, and and, and yeah. can talk and hold people's attention for hours on end. Um, and I mean, I, I went on one of his tours a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm not sure whether he's still running them. Um, but yeah, Derby, where he run, where he used to run it, is um, a very haunted place. You don't think he runs them anymore? Does he still have the jail? He's still got the jail, but I I think maybe one of his sons might do the tours now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he still has them, but he's just not personally doing them. Yeah. 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 We had him on a show a while back and he was talking about some of the other locations in in Derby, uh, as we say, Mm. United States Derby, because we know how to speak (laughs) proper English and you guys don't Derby. (laughs) You have clocks instead of clerics. And you throw the useless you in there for no particular reason, but uh, that's another story. Yes. We're we're two nations divided by the same language. I know it. I know it. Yeah. Sad. (laughs) Very sad. Oh, we are coming close to the break, so I don't want to go into too many different subjects. But do you know that uh, Teddy Roosevelt actually wanted to change the language? No. Yeah, it was a, was a... Yes, there was a, a big uh, thing. He actually passed a a, a law on it that uh, certain words were to be said in certain ways because he changed the spelling on them and changed everything because he thought it was uh, the language in here in the states was too tough. So uh, <laughs> th- there were words, syllables that weren't pronounced. So he, he tried to streamline the language. Unfortunately, Congress uh, put a nix to that. <laughs> Yeah, what, whatever happened to the letter U in some of your words, like color? You know, I think, yeah, I think uh, Teddy had to do with that because that's that's one thing that's definitely changed. We, the U we don't have in ours. It's like, mm. it's like you guys don't use the word the. <laughs> do you have the word the? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you go to a hospital, you it's... never go to the hospital. <laughs> well, go to hospital, yeah. <laughs> 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 you do have the word that, right? T-H-E? Yeah, we do use it. We use what, it, yeah. We use the a lot. It's okay. the hospital, or a hospital. And hospital, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah we definitely use the word there. Okay, it's curious. It's it's so funny. We, like I said, we, we have the same language. We came from the same place. Uh, but we're different. Well, it's like you, you drive on the pavement. We walk on ours. Yeah, anyways, we've got to go because we're coming up to the break. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International uh, with Ron Kolick. Uh, Steve is not with us tonight. And our special guest is uh, parapsychologist uh, Dylan Jones. And we're brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, McLuhan, Massachusetts. The Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North End of Massachusetts. And our very good friends on Ghost Chronicle Radio on Patreon. We'll be right back.
Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978 978- Four five five six six seven eight. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky. The Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal. The Parax family. They're strange, deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give the awards to the Parax family. And we are back. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. That was the theme of Van Helsing. Like all good WWF or WWE groups, we have our own entrance music. And uh, you'll love this, Dylan. Uh, my guest today, of course, is Dylan, Dylan Jones. Uh, my first lecture I ever did, uh, we brought a boombox in and we opened it up with... Uh, the, the Ghostbuster theme, and we came in from yeah. the back of the room. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Cool. That was like 20 years ago. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I do want to mention one other thing, too, that I, well, since we're on the language, before we move on to your escapades here in the States, um, it, during the show, I always have my cup of tea. And, um, you know, our, my friends say bucket of tea because it's rather large. Uh, but that is, is, is there a word, cuppa? Or is it cup of tea? It's just ter- colloquial as cuppa in the, in the well, UK. It would be a cup, a cup of tea, but okay. the sort of colloquial slang term is cuppa, which is C-U-P-P-A. So you're going to have a cuppa. Let's have a cuppa. Yeah. It's it's a yeah. It, it's a colloquial term. Yeah. It's um, that's what we would say today in day to day life, unless of course you'd been invited to Buckingham Palace. Really. And say cuppa. Interesting. Uh, you know, I, I watch all the British shows. I love the what British TV is so much well better, well done than than the United American shows. And uh, I, I always get a kick out of uh, most of the cop shows is whenever they go to a, any house to investigate, interview, or they they say, "Let's put the kettle on, or I'll get you a cup." Or it's like, God, all they do is drink tea. It's like oh, that must be the their way of breaking. Uh, you know, the awkwardness of being interviewed or whatever. So I don't know. Well, well, as you know, Ron, I used to be a police officer and they taught us at training school, you know, one of the the best things you can do to build a rapport is to sit down with somebody and have a cup of tea. Yeah, see, so there is logic behind it. Yep, it works. Mm. Yeah. 
Okay. So uh, recently uh, I noticed, and Steve was so kind to send me the little uh, flyer of uh, the, our real parapsychologist was accompanying a ghost tour in, uh, uh, oh my God, is it South Carolina or North Carolina? I get that mixed up. Uh, Georgia. 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 She's all Southern states. I always get mixed up. Sorry about that. Georgia. <laughs> and uh, it was the Witch and Hour Tours. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, you missed Bridget as the guest a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. She was so disappointed that she didn't get to meet you know, on, on here, the great Van Helsing. I built you up that much. Ah, I was going to say she was disappointed until she meets me. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she, had to, she had to put up with a certain Steve Parsons for an hour. Oh, God bless her. I know. You'll have to get her back on, Ron. You'll have to. Yeah, I'll get her on the, the uh, uh, regular show, The Next Generation, because she wasn't on that way. So, so uh, I'll put her on, get her on that show. And then, you know, it'll be a, a different environment. I mean, quite yeah. frankly, it, with Steve, it's tough because you barely ever get a word in unless I interrupt him. And he <laughs> excuses me of interrupting him, but that's the only way I get to say anything. He doesn't doesn't realize that uh, talk talk shows are like conversations. You know, it's back and forth, not just a dissertation. But that's another story. Anyway, <laughs> so yes, uh, you were you did these tours uh, with uh, Bridget. Uh, from the Witch and Hour, uh, is it Ghost Tours or Witch and Hour Tours? It's um, they, they are Ghost Tours, but the name of the company is the Witching Hour. Okay, the Witch and Hour Tours. And so, first of all, did you enjoy your time there? Absolutely loved it. I mean, I've got. Um, I mean, as you know, New England is special in my heart, um, but so is Savannah as well. Um, so I've been there a few times. Um, I I was there um, for Thanksgiving. Um, and I've done some tours there with her. That's a good American holiday. American holiday for you. Why are you celebrating Thanksgiving? Well, I was invited over, and it was something I always wanted to see what it was All like, right. what it was about. And I was invited, and the offer was too good to be true. And I, I got to say, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, a really great family occasion. Food was amazing, and so was the company. So oh, yeah. couldn't fault it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a little insulted because we don't celebrate Guy Fawkes Day, you know. I mean, geez. <laughs> Come over. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Come and sit for your parliament. <laughs> as, you, as usual, I digress. But uh, so uh, what was the response of the people in the tour to you? I mean, th this is a little bit different from them. So what was their response? Do you know, it was actually fascinating and thrilling on so many different levels. Because whereas they, they were booked on to, to have, you know, the ghost stories and that kind of thing, and Bridget is very much from a spiritual perspective, for, for them to have the opportunity to speak to somebody who's actually doing uh, a PhD, looking at the subject and looking at particular areas and giving the chance to speak and ask questions, you, you find that on a ghost tour, there are people who were there because they're fascinated by ghosts. Mm -hmm. But they also drag along. They're either their poor husband or their poor oh, yes. girlfriend, whatever. So they're begrudgingly wandering around, probably not as a believer and trying to show interest. But then there's somebody on the tour then that they can say, well, what do you think about this? Uh, so I've had conversations with a software developer who was fascinated by um, what kind of software the Ovulus was using wanted to take the thing apart and find out. So he had something 
So that was good. Then I've had people from all different walks of life who have said, well, what really happens? What really happens on an investigation? Um, what are the what are the TV shows really like? So when Bridget's finished telling the story and we're moving to another location on the tour, that's been a great chance for those people to ask questions. And what I'm often doing is saying, well, this is what it could be. Um, but if you want to find out more, there's a really good book you can read. Ooh. Oh, what's that book? It's called Ghostology by Steve Parsons. Oh. And so I know it's good. Uh, but then I'm pointing them in the direction of things like the SPR or the Ghost Club. Um, so if they want to find out more, I'm giving them reliable sources that they can go to. Um, also telling them about other organisations around the UK and the US that they can look into, uh, other places that they can get in touch with. So it's actually been such a positive experience. Um, hence why when I go back to Savannah on the 19th, um, I'll be doing some more. Oh, excellent. That's right. You can do it in, the, the, in our winter time up here. So Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. So, um, was there anybody, uh, I mean, how did it, let's, let's go this way. How did, how does like, uh, Bridges tour, uh, differ from a tour in the UK, a typical tour? A typical Everybody. tour. Um, no, I haven't done a UK one for a little while. Um, because you, you get different kinds of ghost tours. You get those that just rely on the history and the stories of the ghosts, and that's it. Um, there's more now which have incorporated equipment into the tour. Right. Um, so I, I've noticed that more in America than I have in the UK at the moment. Okay. Um, so, for example, on Bridget's tour, she because um, she's very much on the spiritual side, she's very much into the use of dowsing rods, so she demonstrates those and hands them out. She'll get the, the K2 meter out and the ovulus and the spirit box um, and look into all those kinds of things and allow the people on the tour to, to basically get hands on with them and use them. Um, I, I'm not aware, I might be wrong, but I'm certainly not aware or seen any tours in the UK that, that are doing that. Um, what I will say is that in America, I think there are a lot more tours per, per, per capita than in the UK. Um, I think it, the, the main tours in the UK are concentrated around like London, Edinburgh, um, there's like one in Derby, whereas Savannah, there's about 25 different ghost tours all yeah. running at the same time. It's a, isn't it amazing, huh? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, so popular. It's like Salem in October. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the ghost tour scene in Savannah is is fascinating. Um, but there's so many stories, and that's why you can that's why you can accommodate that many ghost tours running. Right. So, as a parapsychologist and and someone who goes on uh, Steve Pass's uh, line of thinking in ghost hunting or, or, or paranormal investigating, when is it your duty, or when is it do you feel it's your duty to correct somebody? or say something to somebody who 
produces, you know, for instance, they said, oh, I, well, let's, let's go to the, to Steve's favorite subject, you know, somebody produces a picture and they said, orbs, and they say, oh, look, this is the, I, I took this out of my house, see the, the spirit of my, my aunt here. Is, is it your job to say that, you know, no, that's not it. That's uh, uh, a defect in the camera or water vapor or yada, yada, yada. Uh, or, or do you keep silent on it? Or, or how do you handle it? Or how would you handle it? I would handle it by saying, well, that's very interesting. Thank you for you know, showing me the particular item. Um, I can't give you a definitive answer for several reasons. Um, firstly, I am not a photographic expert. Um, so you would have to send it off um, to somebody who is qualified to do that. Um, there could be natural explanations for it. Um, and I might suggest what those things could be, not what they are, because as I said, I'm not an expert on photography. Um, you would need to get that person to come back to you with that advice. And I would keep it as, as simple as that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very hard because this is where you come into the, the belief uh, factor. Uh, you know, people like, for instance, that's somebody always asks me, they say, well, what are, you, what are your thoughts on OBS? And, and then I, you know, I said, I hate OBS. That's exactly how I respond. I hate OBS because I know that, you know, so many can be produced by water, vapor, dust, particles, bugs, yada, yada, yada. But someone yeah. shows me a photograph and they, they show me a photograph of, for instance, uh, Lisa, who is my web master, shows me a photograph of her uh, uh, grand, uh, not grandson, her uh, nephew. And she said, look, this, and he's, he's just holding the baseball bat and above him is a big orb. And he says, see, look at this picture. And, I, and he says, that's, that's his grandfather there. And the interesting thing about it is like, okay, she really believes that that's her grandfather. So number one, who am I to tell her it isn't? And number two, mm -hmm is is why you know why that specific entity there otherwise you don't just say oh look at this picture and th th there's a ghost there or there's something there that, that she has a particular person that she's saying it is so what makes her think it's that particular person so she must have some beliefs whether it's intuition esp or or just uh wishful thinking that this orb is that particular spirit and since you know i i'm not there to d destroy anyone's beliefs you know it's like me going to, to a, uh, a a church and saying well you know god doesn't exist we have no proof of it we, we really can't say that because that's their beliefs you 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 just can't go to someone's house especially uh, or have someone's picture which is their house you know it's basically their their property and and absolutely destroy them for it, uh, even though you may not agree with what they're saying. No, and I, I totally agree with you on this. Um, you know, you have to respect what somebody's beliefs are. Um, one of the things I found fascinating on the ghost tour with Bridget was that how many people have said how refreshing it is that the two of us have got completely different perspectives on this on the same thing but how respectful we are of each other as a result. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what you have to bear in mind. I think that's something that I think generally across society we can think about at the moment is that we become far less, we become far less tolerant of other people's uh, beliefs 
Um, so we're right and you're wrong, and it's as easy as that. We've forgotten that there are many shades of grey. Um, so I think you have to be respectful of what their opinion is, and you can just politely disagree, um, but say, look, you know, I, I respect what you're doing and what you believe. Um, ultimately, though, if it was if I was doing some research, I have to be able to draw a conclusion, um, but I would do it in the most respectful way possible. Right, and if it's your particular uh, your particular experiment, your particular uh, program, then it, it's different. The the other thing is, um, God, I just lost my train of thought on that. No, <laughs> you went that way. But uh, yes, you, you you have to respect. But let's go back to the photographs again. You mentioned the photographs. Yeah, like you said, you weren't a particular expert on it. You'd have to send it out to an expert. But we also yeah. know that ex experts can be wrong because yeah. the famous case of the coddling fairies, they were sent to a, <laughs> a, an expert who, who verified that they were real. And, yeah. and yet we, we know from future other evidence that that's that not necessarily true. So even experts can be wrong. And the, the terms we use for uh, changes along the way. Uh, you know, it's like believing that the the, the uh, sun went around the earth. You know, we we thought that was it, that that was science, and then we realized we could prove it was different. So, uh, at that time, that was the truth, but it changes over the years. Yeah, very much so. You have to be able to bear in mind that you have you can revisit something um, and be prepared to admit that yes, you made a mistake, you were wrong. Um, but we have to go with the best we can in a particular situation. So, you know, sending it to more than one person who could be considered an expert. So you're getting a, a broader opinion on something, getting other people to review it um, reduces the chance of that happening. Um, but yes, always been willing to accept that there could be more evidence that comes to light in the future, which can change the outcome. Yeah, that's fine. Got no problem with that. And and that's the thing too is unfortunately a lot of uh, people that will post their things and and if you have a dissenting opinion of it you get blocked or you get crucified on it and Steve's mentioned this many a times and we're not open to peer review in other words they don't want to hear it uh, no. just, it's it's there this is it this is my proof and that's it uh, when I first started the New England Ghost Project you know. Uh, I was very much not into ghosts at all at that time. I didn't believe it, I, but there were a lot of things I couldn't explain. So I was either going to prove or disprove the existence of ghosts or spirits or whatever they were. And uh, I soon realized that there are people that if a ghost came up to them, slapped them across the face, uh, they still wouldn't believe. Uh, they would, uh, you know, certainly uh, rationalize it away and so forth. So. I've always got rid of that part is basically I, I will just collect whatever evidence I have, give you uh, the evidence that I've collected and you make up your own thoughts. Otherwise, I'm not there to change your mind one way or the other. I'm just there to collect evidence and let you make up your mind on, on what that evidence is to analyze that evidence, which is, by the way, which is a true uh, investigator, a true para, uh, CSI investigator. My course, CSI, Paranormal CSI, is based on that, in, in that we <laughs> are investigators. We're not there to be judge, jury, and executioner. There we are to collect the evidence, and it's analyzed afterwards. Uh, 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a great way of putting it. You know, you gather everything that you've got. Um, and very often it's a good idea to hand it over to somebody who's not been involved in gathering the evidence. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they remain impartial. They're detached from it and they can give you some feedback. And unfortunately, we, we, we none of us like to be proved wrong. <laughs> it, no. It's it's one of those things that's fallible about us being human. We we want to be right. We want to get things right, and we want we like to get things right first time. Um, and yeah, that's just that's just the way we are. I, I've come across examples where um, people take a picture and they they think they can see something in the picture. Um, and I've you know I, I like my degree was in media production, so I know something about cameras in terms of filming and how you need to light a scene to be able to get a good picture mm-hmm. and you try to explain to people that you know that's how cameras work and they don't want to listen because they've got it in their mind that what they've got is paranormal and you're battling against that belief then um but it'd be great to get into a, an investigator's mindset that we have to be impartial and detached and allow ourselves to be questioned and not be too worried that people are asking us questions we should embrace it right when we when i started the ghost project we we were pretty much on that same line that we would collect the evidence and we would have other people uh within my organization but they they would that was their job to analyze the evidence to to go through it to you know give their thoughts on on what it is but unfortunately that's the part of the organization that people uh couldn't keep themselves in they all wanted to go out in the field they all wanted to start their own groups after that you know so it was difficult to keep that uh arm of the organization intact uh because we we kept losing people they you know because it's not you know it's not a an exciting job by any means just sitting there watching tape or listening to audio is is pretty boring uh unless you catch something of course but that's it goes through a lot to catch something so that's the hard part about it. So, you know, maybe that's yeah. what we need in the paranormal field. Maybe we need that clearing house where we can send, all teams could send the uh, evidence to and have it analyzed and, and their thoughts on it. That would not be cool. That would be really nice. Uh, if I win if I win the lottery, I might consider doing that. Until mm. you get bored and then you want to go out in the field. <laughs> oh, I- I'd pay people. To, I'd pay somebody to do it. I wouldn't have to do it myself. <laughs> oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> I mean, that that would be a great thing, wouldn't it? Be like if you had a university, even that, that was like, okay, we analyze this, we analyze measurements, we analyze this particular photograph. This is what we got, and they just give the results. But uh, you know that would not fly because you like to say nobody likes to be wrong. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think we'd all love that, but I, uh, no, I can't see that happening. No. So back in the day, I mean, are you, you're familiar with the Ghost Club, right, Dylan? Yeah. Okay. So back in the days, was it that type of an organization where, where they would go out and, and do investigate and then come in and would they, they like batter the, the information back and forth with each other or was it just something different? I think my understanding of it was it was more of a, a social thing. They did do investigations, but not... Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Uh, week in week out that kind of thing it, it was more of like a, a sort of gentleman's type you know club yes where 
and people would go along and discuss things. And they were those who did go out investigating, like Peter Underwood did. Um, but it wasn't as, as perhaps as what we would think today, where they're very much, they don't meet up, they go straight into the investigation, they take all the equipment out and they go in and they're actually doing the field work straight away. Um, okay. Yeah, it's, it's um, they're an interesting organisation. I am a member of the Ghost Club. Um, and they do yeah, meet I, I once a be, I haven't uh, been for a little while, but yeah, I had been for quite a while as well. Yeah, you need yeah, you need to rejoin. It's good. Yeah. Now, is the SPI more like that? Do do they do analytical work, or or is it just similar? There are there are elements of it that do. I know that um, that some that Steve is passionate about trying to to get more of the investigative side for spontaneous cases up and running. Um, and I think that that was certainly on the cards, but then COVID came along um and set everything back um but obviously you've got his guidance notes for investigators and the equipment guidance notes um which are available um and hopefully things will start happening and moving forward soon um but yeah it's it's a problematic thing because there are so many sort of ghost hunting groups out there nowadays that you know they they just hit the ground running right and in the last show, in fact, Steve was telling us because he's he's he did the guidance notes for the SBR, and I think he's doing it for ASAP as well uh, as a thing. And he was talking even about possibly that they all three organizations would use the same uh, criteria or the same uh, notes uh, for each of the organizations, which would be great because then you would have more people going by the same uh, procedures and you could actually analyze some of the data that was being collected. Yeah, I mean, I think what the, the amount of work that Steve has done and the way he's trying to sort of steer it is commendable. Um, and it's been needed for a long time because I think um, the, the, the organizations, the SPR, ASAP, and you know, they're, they're playing catch up to the way that the ghost hunting groups have been running for 20 odd years now um so yeah i'm hoping that it starts to pay dividends in the near future and as i've said he's, he's done he's done some really incredible work so kudos to steve so we're coming up towards the end of the show so uh dylan you do, you don't have your phd yet right do we have a- no i'm only halfway through i got three years left to do so it's three years i mean see that's the other thing people uh and i think that's part of cal's thing too is that people put uh you know they put that name in front of it and they don't realize the amount of work and and uh you know years that people put in to to get that phd in a uh you know particular subject so i mean uh that's i can understand his point of view on that so i give you credit for you as well yeah, i mean i'm doing mine part-time over six years and i'm halfway through <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. it's a marathon not a sprint yeah yeah but uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting. So what else you got coming up, Dylan? As we're coming out towards the end of the show, you still have your um, your your British ghost tour. I mean, yeah, British Great British Ghost Tours. That's what it called. Or I forget now. Yeah, I mean, I haven't done much on it for ages because of the fact that the PhD has just been right, full right. on. I think that will be the next for the case for the next few years. Um, but I will be going back to Savannah, um, working with the Witching Hour and Bridget, doing more tours. 
And um, we, we, we've started writing a book together. So hopefully oh. in the next six to 12 months, that will see the light of day. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so if anybody wants to get in touch with you, Dylan, how can they do that? Uh, they can do it via the ghosthunter.co.uk. Uh, they can get me on the email or they can follow me at Twitter at UK Ghost Hunter DJ. DJ, there you go. I like that, DJ. All right, Dylan, thank you so much for joining me tonight. And I, it's been fascinating and it's so nice not to have Steve interrupt me. <laughs> Ron, it's been a pleasure as always. Okay. Today's show is brought to you. You've been listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Toji.net, uh, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, the Gallant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North Andover, Massachusetts, and our very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. If you are not a member, why not? Three bucks a month, less than a cup of coffee. And you get access to over 40 video, exclusive videos. And, uh, you know, there's some, some real cool ones there, too. Like when the Japanese came over and did a documentary and the Germans came over and did a documentary. Those are on there. Uh, Japanese are in Japanese. So good luck with that. But anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Stay tuned for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. My special guest will be Roxy Zwicker, a ghost tour guide. Hmm, interesting. Dylan, thank you so much. Thank you, Ron. Good night and God bless, everyone. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.